This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday the 20th already. Holy cow, that goes quick. <laughs> They're already near the end of uh, February. That's good for Denver Broncos fans. Sandy Clough on my left. I'm Sean Drotar. The great Danny Bailey is in the booth. Our number, if you want to call or text, you can most certainly do that at 303-831-1340. If you want to watch the program, you can go to MileHighSports.com or you can grab the free Mile High Sports app and get a, a not only the audio on demand, but you can get the video and everything else we're putting together over at Mile High Sports. Some of that um, from our, our Broncos writer, Cody Rourke, who's going through a, a segment of uh, recaps for the Broncos seasons at certain position groups, trying to figure out where there are needs. And of course, we'll start where the biggest one is, and that would be at the quarterback position. But Sandy, this time of year is always interesting. We can start noticing a little bit and I'm not really trying to pick on the national media who has 32 teams to cover in the NFL, and they're going to cover the ones that are <clears throat> relevant first, let's say, in the Denver Broncos with only the New York Jets with the longest playoff-less streak in the last decade are the ones that are kind of away from that. But you start seeing the ideas that uh, what free agents might be good fix, what might be uh, a player that someone talks about. And the idea, because Sean Payton briefly uh, talking to USA Today Sports mentioned uh, Baker Mayfield, how uh, Baker Mayfield turned around. It was just complimentary of Baker Mayfield. Right. But right. it turned it didn't into, mean he was a oh, the Broncos would love to get Baker right. Mayfield. Well, step one, the Broncos might, but they can't afford him because Baker Mayfield is way out of their price range. And if you're thinking, but Baker Mayfield doesn't make what Russell Wilson did or Patrick, you're right. But the Broncos are already $24 million over the cap, and they will have $85 million over the next year in dead cap from Wilson alone if they don't make any other moves. The Broncos are bargain basement shopping on free agents. By their own admission. Right. On day one. And that would mean we're talking about the quarterback. So any quarterback that is a starter last year, forget it. Uh, period. Uh, variation on the famous John Elway quote. There is only plan B. Yeah. There is no plan A. Yeah. Uh, last year, they did plan A in free agency and spent themselves silly and stupidly. Yep. There, there's no other way to I'm put it. I'm glad you brought that up because that gets lost in the shuffle. The they were Broncos, the number one spending number team. Number one spending team in free agency last year. Number one, which is is stunning, but that's realistically what happened here. And, and we both were on the air during that period. We had just mm-hmm. started. And we said right off the bat that their spending was absurdly excessive. Uh, Mike McGlinchey uh, couldn't play a lick in San Francisco. That's why they let him go. Ben Powers had one decent year in Baltimore. They couldn't wait to let him go. And and these guys were up. They weren't going to pay him as a top-level guard. They were upgrades from Dalton Reisner and from Uh, the revolving door of Candidates I, I at right tackle over the years, but, but not did, for that kind yeah, but of money. Did you get the bang for the buck? No. Probably the, the Broncos not. in both cases bid against themselves. There was no one out there who was willing to pay Ben Powers anywhere near $50 million, and that's where the Broncos ended up. There was no one willing to pay Mike McGlinchey almost $90 million, and that's where the Broncos ended up there. Uh, it was foolish. Uh, and it was driven by Sean Payton more than it was by George Payton. Almost completely driven. Of course, the owners have to pay. Um, but uh, 
whoever was the capologist either was delusional or had no say so. And Sean Payne came in and said, I don't care what it costs. We, we, we've well, got to get rid is, of Dalton Reisner, which is fine. This is Sean Payton's MO, by but, the way. Go look at, at what happened and when you're talking about the dead cap money, yeah. the expenditures. Uh, it, there are a, a lot of reasons when you're talking about the departure of Sean Payton from New Orleans. And I'm not intending to pile on. But remember, the Bounty Gate stuff was long in the past. The contemporary accounts of when Sean Payton left the Saints had to do at least locally with the idea that now that the bill came due and salary cap-wise, it's going to be really hard for the Saints to compete for a couple of years. That's when he, he got out. Sean Payton yeah. yeeted out of there. Right. Good luck. Yeah. So I had nothing to do with Bounty. His M.O., right. But I think people you know, kind of compress his career yeah, with the Saints no, as they're not no. terribly familiar with it, and I get that. But, but a lot of that had to do at least... The, the, the folks no, who covered had, the team. They've had cash uh, issues. It was no, cash issues. issues. They were cap-strapped, and that was a concern. Now, so we know that Sean Payton spends because Sean Payton wants to win now, yes. today, which, of course, yes. probably is music to the ears of long-suffering Broncos fans. But at the yeah. same time, when you make all your fixes in free agency, those are Band-Aids, and they're very expensive Band-Aids. And more and more what we're seeing is if you can't effectively draft, exactly, it becomes hard to build a sustainable contender. You can have a blip, and but year in and year out, you're going to have to draft them. not only doesn't do more than put a Band-Aid on your problems, it's quick fix stuff. Um, it's also... Completely unrelated to your attempts to build depth. You do that through the draft. You build depth through the draft. You build special teams through the draft. Guys who aren't ready to play from the line of scrimmage, they become special teams players. And that's why you see late in the draft, a lot of the picks have to do not so much with play from the line of scrimmage, but the capacity of that player uh, on projection by the given team to play on special teams and to play effectively on special teams. And you you see almost all picks that teams make in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds in particular, even the fourth round, they're special teams-based more than they are offensively-based, defensively-based. Sean Payton says. He, he, he stressed out how important that is yeah. last year in the draft as well. And, so. and in fairness, they did get some help on special teams at, I mean, you think of Mims first and foremost, right? Who was uh, pro bowler, basically a, a, a Pro Bowl special teams guy, if not an All Pro on special teams. He was terrific. He he was not perfect, of course, but uh, you know he had one or two mishaps. But by and large, he was a great return guy for a team that has not had a great return guy in in more than a decade. So the quarterback position obviously is is the major need for the Broncos. And the idea, I think, for most people is the Broncos will solve that by picking either J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix or Bo Nix. Michael Penix does not seem to be part of the equation. It feels realistically as if it might be a Nix or McCarthy decision. McCarthy, by the way, only 20 years old, so some people really believe in the upside uh, maybe that's oh, a Nick's possibility. Uh, yeah. Nick's, yeah, is, Nick's, Nick's is of course, older. started the most college right. games at quarterback in history. Right. So he's A lot older. of them for Auburn. And perhaps the argument there for McCarthy would be the Broncos are not 
likely to be competitive in 2024 right. when you're talking about either making the playoffs or certainly making noise. So maybe drafting the younger quarterback that sits behind a Stidham for a year until at least he surpasses Stidham, however long that takes. Depends on when you draft him, though. If you draft McCarthy 12th, he's right. got to start. Uh, I don't care how old he is or how young he is. He's got to start if you draft him 12th. Now, if you don't draft him 12th, even later in the first round, there's if less you draft pressure. Him in what? How far How far down do you think that has to be? 20s? 20s. Yeah. Okay. If it's, tw- if it's 20 or later, you trade down to, yeah. say, 21, I mean, you pick up McCarthy, what, when then When the Broncos drafted Paxton Lynch, and that was in the mid-20s, mm-hmm. right? right? 26, 27, whatever. It was. Yeah. The Broncos said, and it was accepted by people covering the team, columnists, print, electronic, yeah, Paxton Lynch drafted. It was accepted right that Peyton he Manning would retired. not play right away necessarily. Right. That he was raw. That he would take despite a year being the twenty-six overall pick. That's that's right. Right there, there wasn't. You remember, you were around. Yeah, uh, there wasn't pressure put on Lynch by anybody. No, that he start that In first fact, year. That was the year they went and decided to go try Mark Sanchez, and yes, and they had but Trevor then they Simeon. caught him, and they. I talked to Elway about this uh, in an informal setting. They picked Simeon because Simeon had been around the year before and knew that much more about the Kubiak offense. But it wasn't a move that was made because Lynch, quote-unquote, lost the competition. In fact, you could have made an argument to start Lynch, his rookie year. You could have made that argument. And you also, I think more compellingly, could have argued that he deserved to start a hell of a lot more than Sanchez. Yeah. And of course, they cut Sanchez. Sanchez was so bad, they cut him. Lynch wasn't bad. In fact, I think his first training camp was probably his most impressive training camp before he had an entourage around him telling him how great he was and how wrong the coaches were. Don't listen to the coaches. They don't right. know anything. You're great. And if they don't want you, somebody else will pick you up and you'll start right away. And I'm still waiting for the answers to which team exactly did that. With yeah. Paxton Lynch. Uh, and the answer, of course, I'm being sarcastic. The answer is an XFL team. no one, no one, no one whatsoever in the NFL had any interest in Paxton Lynch, who was a complete bust here, as big a bust as any Bronco quarterback who was ever drafted anywhere, not just in the first round. How about this? He was the biggest bust of them all. Over at Pro Football Reference, they do what they call an approximate value. They're trying to basically do the idea compared to other players. You, you wait yeah, in your career. Yeah, they've done it with baseball. Right. So it's an approximate value. Paxton Lynch's approximate value since 1960, since the AFL debuted, is among draftees, 13,592nd. That's not good. Uh, that's not going to get it done. But I'm not convinced, although I do think at this point, because it is, it's desperation time for the Broncos. I do think you probably need to settle on Knicks and McCarthy and probably just pick one. I think you do. But 
I'm not convinced that's what Sean Payton's going to do because, as we talked about before, in 275 career games, playoffs, and regular season, Sean Payton has started a, a rookie quarterback one time, as you pointed out, Ian Book, Notre Dame. Yeah. Who slightly better in the pros than Paxton Lynch, I guess, but not, not by a lot. Not by a lot. And that's why I look at it, and I've, I've been, I'm not wavering until he signs somewhere else. I feel very firmly that Sean Payton will sign Jameis Winston because that's what he does. Guys that he knows, guys that he worked with, guys that he likes, he just brings in. Jameis Winston will arrive on the relatively cheap in the athletics ranking of 150 top free agents we discussed yesterday. I think Winston, I don't have it in front of me, but it's in the 130s. Yeah, something like that. Right. And I suspect that if they want him, it makes sense. They did make the point. I believe they made the point. They did in the last sentence. Sean Payton needs a quarterback. Well, yes, but the only time that Winston's ever been any good uh, since leaving Tampa Bay was with New Orleans under Sean Payton. After Payton left, Winston isn't worth a spit. Uh, Before he got hurt playing for Payton, he actually perform reasonably he, well. He did actually had a, had a nice had a nice year. So he's much I, steadier than he had been at the end in Tampa. Yeah, his last year in Tampa, he led the league in both touchdown passes thrown and interceptions yeah. and yards. Thrown. I mean, it, it was it, thirty plus on both. It was thirty three touchdowns, 30, 30 picks. Uh, led the thirty league with picks. Okay, five thousand one hundred nine yards. Yeah. Uh, that year. So I mean, yeah. it, it, pretty good. And then. Uh, got to got to except for the, if you don't it, mind the turnovers. It, it, if you counted the passes he threw to the other team, yeah, it, he would have been over six thousand yards. Interesting, <laughs> and that's interesting too because in that span of time from 2019 and here we are coming into the 2024 season, taking care of the football for quarterbacks has become more important than pushing downfield. And I still think that will happen, but I do look at it and I think if you're looking bargain basement guys, did Wilson take care of the ball? Pretty well. I, I'm not quite, a Wilson guy by any means. Quite well, except but, I guess you could knock the fumbles. But then again, you could also well, probably okay. take a look at I the guess. pressure he faced with regularity as well and yeah. how many times you take a hit compared the to two, how many fumbles. The two were tied together. They were very yeah, The well pressure tied he together. was under and the fumbles. Yes. And some of the fumbles were on him. Some were. Fumbles not are, all of them. I don't care who's fumbling. Fumbles are kind of random. They um, really are. I mean, there's certain guys particularly the running back position, who have had their fumbling tendencies mitigated, uh, if not entirely expunged. Yeah. Uh, I think of Tiki Barber in that vein, um, who didn't much like Tom Coughlin, but even Tiki Barber has admitted that Tom Coughlin made him a better player by teaching him how to protect the ball. Yeah. And keep in mind, Wilson did have 10 fumbles, not all, you know, not all lost, but 10 fumbles. At the same time, he had 80 carries, which is the most he had had since 2020. The, the Broncos that, and needed him to run the ball more. But you're right. And interceptions, we talked about touchdown interception ratio. It's actually among one of the league's best. But I, I guess I look at it and think if you, out of all those bargain basement Regardless guys, of who the Bronco quarterback is next year. Yeah. If that quarterback throws 26 touchdown passes and is intercepted only eight times, Sean Payton will declare himself and or be declared a quarterbacking guru. I firmly believe that one of the guys you should kick the tires on, and I get it, has been a bust. But. But not quite on the Paxton. The difference is, no, not at that. that. Uh, Jameis Winston 
is 30 years old. He's Sam, not your long-term no. answer, even if you like him. Sam Darnold is 26. And obviously you're talking about the third overall pick in, in the draft, but also a quarterback that the Denver Broncos, at least at the time, under John Elway, had some interest in. And it has not quite worked Elway out. Elway loved him. Yeah, actually. Quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I think what I, in the limited amount of time, that you saw him with the Niners, and he only attempted 46 passes. So, I mean, I get that's a tiny, tiny sample. And completed 60.9%, 297 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But he looked more in control. Oh, he looked more comfortable. Absolutely. And, and I think you get maybe a year with the Shanahan system, which is not the Peyton system. But no, it, does, it is not. But it asks it a lot of the quarterback. And it's something you've made it very clear that Brock Purdy gets undervalued for. Because it does ask a lot of the quarterback. Right. If I'm looking at the guys that might come in a bargain, I look at Darnold and think that's the only guy out there that the Broncos might be able to afford that actually still has some potential upside. I do not think that as he turns 27, Sam Darnold. All, five years all, from now, you would sudden, not make the move. But no, he does it's not become not the five years from no. now. It's today, and, and he's nor 26. do I think he becomes a franchise quarterback no, next no. year. No, you you would have seen that by. But now. if you're looking for upside in a quote unquote bridge quarterback, yeah, I think you could probably do worse. I agree. The I agree. I, and I'm not and, a Darnold fan. And I don't fan, look a lot. I agree. Of, you know, I look at the Tannehills. I look at all those other yeah. Well, they're guys backups. You're talking though. about they're backups. And and you know, Tannehill's fine as a backup. He's older, right? Uh, you know, if Tannehill were 26, yeah, and somehow we're out there, I'd not take a look at him. In fact, in his 30s, mm-hmm. I believe Tannehill was a better quarterback than he was in his 20s. Yeah. Just one of those but guys who's kind of a late bloomer. He stopped getting hurt particularly in Tennessee, I thought he was outstanding uh, for the most part during his time with the Tennessee Titans, but now he's in his mid-30s. Tannehill's older than Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's older than Wilson. He's older than Russell Wilson. I mean, to my mind, I look at it, and I think, well, that definitely should be a no then. I mean, if you're going to spend $85 million to go away from Russell Wilson, you might as well get younger, right? So curious what, what you all think about that, too. I mean, I get it. I think it's very clear. I think you've heard the same. Broncos fans want them to either decide between Knicks, Penix, McCarthy, and say, this is our guy, and go. And it, the argument there that you point out, that person's probably got to start almost right off the bat. You have to just throw them in. I think that's what Broncos country wants to do. But fans don't get to draft. Sean Payton gets to draft. Sean Payton, mind you, not George Payton. He gets to maybe take the card up. But Sean Payton drafts. I suspect that maybe that's the route of a, of a Winston or maybe even a Winston and a Darnold and just throw the ball, roll the ball out to the three guys and say, we're keeping two. I don't know. But I think that's a likelier choice, even though it kind of kicks the quarterback can back down the road. But if they're going with the strategy, which I don't believe the Broncos are, I haven't heard any indication they would. I think they should just take their lumps on Wilson and, eat the $85 million hit this year so you can jump into 2025 clean, then I think that makes sense. Will they do it? I, I don't know. We'll find out as we get closer. Of course, the draft at the end of April, free agency will be prior to that. We'll get a better sense of how those free agents move along as we get closer to that span of time. But I think the Broncos may go free agent shopping. And while that wouldn't preclude 
them picking, say a McCarthy or a Knicks, if they land a Winston or a Darnold, they're probably just going that way for the year because Jared Stidham is signed next year for $7 million. So I don't think you have a $7 million backup and you grab a guy that at least at one point was a starter and then say, we're definitely going to pick a guy with 12 overall. I don't think it's in the cards. So I think we'll find out sooner or later and probably sooner where the Broncos are thinking for their quarterback position. Well, there is no quarterback position in the NBA. If there was, the Denver Nuggets would have the best one. Nikola Jokic didn't get the all-star break off, which he would have much preferred, but he seemed to have a lot of fun messing around during the break anyway. Wanted to play for you a little bit. One of the uh, very obvious friendships between Jokic and Luka Doncic. Is that a possibility down the road? Would they like it? We'll discuss that. And one comment about one of the, about Jokic from one of the guys he's most commonly compared to. We'll hear from both next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back to the program. The All-Star break is over. The Denver Nuggets will be back at it later this week. They'll take on the Wizards on Thursday. Good team to open up. Yeah, yeah, a nice... uh, come back from the break. You say that, you know, knock on wood, soft landing, I guess, for for your place to start. Uh, But, but, you know, yeah, they they definitely are in in the rebuilding phase. But Nikola Jokic now the heavy favorite to win the MVP for a third time in his career. Only a very select few players have done that. Now, I still think, and I think you do, Sandy, that it may not be in the bag as much as people think because if the Nuggets happen to finish, let's say, fourth... In the West, and maybe the third or even finish, even third behind Oklahoma City. Then I think you can make I mean, a you have very to get, good it's a regular season for award. Alexander. Yeah. I think you can make I a think great you make argument a strong there. case. I think he's number two, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma City is going to all of a sudden collapse here in the final third of the season. I I don't see that happening. Um, I I don't know that they'll finish ahead of the Nuggets. Uh, so. Clearly, to me, Jokic is is the favorite for the MVP, third time in four years. But Shea Gilgis Alexander is number two, and I suppose if Dallas were to rise up two or three spots, there's no question that Doncic would be a legitimate MVP candidate if Dallas got into the top four mix. Again, yeah. I don't foresee that, but if it did happen that way, and I think Dallas made a very good series of moves at the trade deadline that make them better. How much better? I don't know. Do they crack the top four? I doubt it. But I'll tell you, the the two guys who are amazing to me in their ability, along with Jokic, obviously, to generate triple doubles are Sabonis and Doncic. Well, you mentioned Doncic, and obviously you, you know that Jokic and Doncic are are friends. They come Close from nearby. They yeah. they're both from what used to be the southern part of, of Yugoslavia, where right. Serbia and 
Slovenia were both part of that before the uh, the ten day war in nineteen ninety one that broke that into those nations and Bosnia Herzegovina that's right. kind of now in between them. Yep. The relationship between Serbia and Slovenia is actually pretty close because yes. a lot of that was Very sort close. of uh, not going to get too much into the history of, of that war, the former Yugoslavia, but it was really more sort of the the, the northern side to the coastal countries of which, you know, Slovenia, Serbia, not exactly coastal, but but closer than uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina. And those two guys are close. You saw them horsing around, you know, a couple different times. A Jokic poured water down yeah. a Luka Doncic's back yeah. while Doncic was ready to, uh, to, you know, do an interview. Right. Uh, they're hanging out. You saw even the game at one point. Uh, Danny Bailey, you know, y- you and I talked about it after the game. At one point, I think there were four passes on a possession between Jokic and Doncic early in the game that was basically a you take it, no, you take it, no, you take it. And at no point did the ball ever even touch the court. No, no. They were just volleyballing it back mm-hmm. to each other. And eventually they just gave up. And You mean there was passing? Yeah, and they thing? just, you know, they just gave it up to, to I, I'm forgetting, who was it, Danny, who ended up with the basket? I think it was SGA. Yeah, that's right. And they're like, okay, who's going to take it? And Shay's like, I'll take it. So he yeah. go ahead and dunk it. But they're, they're close friends. And the... The, the sort of friendship there and the fact that these two guys are both sort of light personalities. They're, they're jokers. They're kidders. Uh, that they're, they're just sort of fun to be around was not lost. And one of the guys who's had problems guarding at least Nikola Jokic uh, at the All-Star game, Anthony Davis of the Lakers. Who do you enjoy spending time on the court with tonight? Anybody? Uh, Luka and Jokic. These guys are, they're comedy. They're very funny. Um, you know, and it's good to be on the other side of, you know, all the plays that they make happen. So, uh, it was, but it was fun sharing the court with everyone. But I think those two guys were, were, you know, very great. They're obviously, you know, fun to play with as as well. But I also, I also like Davis's very fair points. Like it's nice to, you know, not have to guard right them right. for a change. But uh, after the Elster game, he was asked a little bit about Nicole Yokes was about his friendship with Doncic and you know could they ever team up later in the career because they obviously their games are complimentary oh, their friends that wouldn't that be something to see uh Jokic's answer and it was in in Serbian uh, translated uh into this I don't know it's possible I don't want to leave Denver I like it there and it's a great organization but if Luca gets pissed off in Dallas he can yeah, come yeah <laughs> And there has been uh, uh, there's been much that the last talk two seasons. about how hard the Mavericks are trying to build a team around Doncic that he will be a part of throughout his career. He will want to be a part of throughout his career. And pleasing Doncic is job one down and down. It really is. And uh, as it turned out, perhaps Kyrie Irving wasn't the answer just yet. So uh, you know, I'm shocked by that. I can't believe that hasn't been exactly what Luca was looking for. But Obviously, that's a down-the-road thing, but it, it is kind of fun to uh, to watch that. And I suppose down the road it's not impossible, but keep in mind, Nuggets fans, at a certain point, the Nuggets have their cap situation yeah. rather <laughs> yeah. set up for the next few years. And the... No, the Nuggets aren't into the uh, let's assemble... A super team. A super even team. Even though the super, and uh, Jokic and Doncic alone might actually count as a super team it's not entirely impossible oh, we definitely just need the two of them but yeah. but i mean you're talking about what it would cost to acquire exactly. luka Doncic in exactly. not only talent but you have to make the and salaries you do need match at least three other players 
to play right. with them, right? And they can't be no stiffs. But I mean, you'd have to be talking about Murray, either Gordon or Porter, whoever the yes. maybe all three for for Dallas to do it, and a handful of first round picks. So oh. we're talking about end of career stuff. Oh, maybe. absolutely. The interesting part is, absolutely. I suspect that. I don't think we're going to see Nikola Jokic playing basketball at 36 years old. I don't think it's out of the question that he serves out the remaining years on his contract. I and then, I've said you that know, as well. if he wins another title or two, says that's it. It's It's been fun, but I love the horses. Yep. He has signed uh, through the 2027-2028 season, but that is a player option. Now, the player option is worth $62.8 million. That would be hard to turn down. It would be hard to turn down, but he's not about money. No, he's made but that's a lot of money. Plenty of it, it, it but that's not even close of course, to being the reason. Yeah, in the in-between four years, he'll make over $200 million with this year until the next four. But but I could see it. I could see after this year, th- I'd see him three away. or four more years, if the Nuggets were to win another yep. ring, I could see him hang it up. I yep. really could. I, I think that's uh, part of the mystique there. And... You saw Larry Bird kind of uh, complain about the All-Star game fairly with Dr. J and kind of exhort guys to maybe play a little defense. He was asked during the weekend about Nikola Jokic, who, whom he is most commonly <laughs> compared. I had made the argument, still do, that I believe he is more similar to Magic Johnson than Larry Bird, but you're, 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 oh, you're picking nits yeah. at that point. Either way, pretty good. But um, Magic had the theatrical flair that I'm not sure Bird or Jokic has. But, it, you know, for basketball purists, you'd take any one of the three, obviously. Uh, I think there's a comparison with Dirk in there somewhere, but, but the, Jokic is like a composite of guys. He I, really I, is. I, and I think if you actually look at Bird and Magic, you probably encompass the majority of it. Yeah. With the, so you probably have to add some, uh, quite frankly, not quite at that level in the low post moves, but maybe even a little Akeem Olajuwon in there. And that it, it's not as graceful as Akeem, but down low with his back to the basket, oh. the dude gets it done. Larry Bird was asked a little bit about Nikola Jokic. And I want you to listen to the quote, not necessarily just the praise, but in an era of super teams. Notice what Larry Bird says Nikola Jokic. I would love to play against him. <laughs> He's good. He's yeah. good, right? He's good. I mean, there's so many great centers over the history of our game. Uh-huh. Man, is he good. I just hope he stays healthy and able to continue to do what he does because he is fun to watch. Uh-huh. Probably yep. more so than by the league. It used to be that when Golden State was healthy, they were really fun to watch. Now I've switched over to Denver. He makes that whole thing go. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be fun to play with? Oh, man. But, of course, fun to play with, but Bird's first instinct is like, no, I'd want to go at him. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I love. That's that's yeah. a different, uh, I mean, you know, to have Charles Barkley years back when the Miami Heat got put together and then when uh, Kevin Durant in the Western Conference Finals lost in Game 7 to the Golden State Warriors and instead of redoubling with his team, he's like, I'm out. I'm just going to join the guys that beat us. Charles Barkley, of course, talked about that. He said, you don't think I could have played with Michael Jordan? I didn't want to play against him. I wanted to beat Michael Jordan. Yeah. Larry Bird's the same thing. I, I, wouldn't, I never wanted to play with Magic. I wanted to beat Magic. Right. Like, what does playing with him accomplish? Magic felt the same way. Exactly. And uh, I think for Jokic, you can say everything about it from Bird that 
oh, I love the way he plays. He makes things go. It's like the highest, the highest compliment is I would have loved to play against him. That's the highest accomplishment. If Larry Bird thinks in my prime I would have wanted to go against that guy, well, that tells you all you need to know because Larry Bird looks at Nikola Jokic's game and says, that's a guy that I would consider a problem for me. I consider him a competitor, an equal. That's high praise. It is. I I mean, everything Bird said there was right on the mark, squarely on the mark. Uh, He'd be fun to play with, too. (laughs) Because he sees everything in a way that Bird did, uh, in a way that Magic what did. Would, goodness, they see what everything would Bird have the way shot? Gretzky did. <laughs> what would Bird, have, would Bird have shot 65% for the season with the open looks that Jokic would have fed him? Oh. I mean, it would have been ridiculous. <laughs> you even imagine. Because yeah. Bird was no, the best I, passer I, on those Celtics teams. Pretend that Bird didn't have uh, uh, great no, players Hall of slash Hall of Famers around him. He did. Absolutely, he did. He did. And that took some of the scoring pressure off him. But I'll tell you where Bird and Jokic are alike. They will do whatever it takes to win the game. Correct. And if that means scoring 30, they can do that on demand. I mean, they without stretching themselves uh, much beyond their normal capabilities, uh, if you need more playmaking, uh, they'd adjust and do that. If you need to get more active uh, on the boards, the, the sensational rebounders, both of them, sensational rebounders, having nothing to do with getting off the floor and touching the top of the backboard. Right. Neither can come close to doing that. But to, to say they're unathletic would be wrong. Correct. Uh, the Bird is a sensational uh, athlete, and Jokic is too. And Bird was in supreme condition. I never saw Larry Bird or any of the great players. Listen, it, it applies to any of them. I never saw Larry Bird get tired. When has Nikola Jokic never. really gotten tired? Handful Not recently. Of times. Once, once he got and in the shape, last few years, four or five years ago. Uh, I don't recall. He never gets tired. Never gets tired. Of course, uh, your program as well, the text line is 303-831-1340. Danny Bailey is monitoring that for us. And Danny, you have one. What do you got? This one from uh, frequent listener and texture Chris. He said, where do you guys rank Larry Bird? I would imagine he means all time. Oh, all time. He's on my all-time team. Now, the way I... Yeah, it's hard to do that. Right? I don't so many different put positions. all-star teams together. I put for my all-time teams, and maybe we'll get into this more deeply on, on another day. Huh, but Sure. But uh, I, I put teams together. I mean... I, I don't put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain on the same team. That's ridiculous. Um, because they wouldn't be able to play on the same team. Right. But for I me, that. for me, uh, on your all-time team, the three must guys are Bird, Jordan, Magic, in whatever order. Well, I'm, not, I'm not ordering them in terms of importance. Uh, LeBron would probably be a fourth. Yeah. And still for me, Bill Russell, who is the greatest winner in the history of major professional team sports in North America, uh, he'd be the center. But <laughs> you'd take Wilt, you'd take Kareem, and probably two or three other guys and say, you go beat these five guys. Yeah, best of, you, best you, of luck. You try to beat these five guys. Uh, good luck. Uh, and 
you know, you can you could probably insert Kobe in there in place of LeBron, mm-hmm. and a team would be almost as good. I think there'd be a little bit of duplication in there with with Kobe um, that that wouldn't necessarily be there with LeBron because LeBron will pass to the other guys. Right, Kobe would not even to other great players was not necessarily always a willing passer. Okay, so I'm just looking at how I put it together. But the bottom line and answer to the question for me, Bird would be on my all time first team. Yeah. I mean, for for me, it's I mean, you're talking about he was that good. And I saw him play in person at all stages of his career. Um, uh, Probably saw magic in person a little more because Boston was in the east and the Lakers are in the west. Right. Um, But. You know, I, I, to me, the 80s will always be the golden age of NBA basketball. It, it does very much feel like it because you had a difference. You had the ability to score, but you also had some physicality in the game that is maybe a little bit different now. But it, it wasn't, you know, it, it began to change a little bit with the Pistons and, and get to the point where it was a little excessive in the Knicks teams of the early 90s with Riley. Uh, were that way too, and I didn't think that was basketball. But in the eighties, you 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 had all kinds of styles. You you had teams that uh, were a little more aggressive physically, but you also had free flowing teams. The Nuggets, maybe the best example of that, uh, playing the passing game. Uh, the Lakers were the greatest fast break team I ever saw, uh, even better than the Celtics during their dynasty in the sixties. Um, the best running team I ever saw, not the best team, but the best just running team was the Nuggets. And I, I think that will always be the case. Uh, the Nuggets were, throughout the Doug Moe era, they were number one in pace every single year. And Doug's great line, because the knock was the Nuggets didn't play any defense, um, he, he said, um, yeah, uh, okay, we're the worst defensive team in the league, and all our opponents are tied for second worst. Because <laughs> well, we outscore our opponents. That's, that's the yeah. trick, right? I mean, that's that's in the end, that's really what it what it's about. As long as you're still winning games, you know, maybe that, that's because that sounds fun. Let's, or or let's, uh, let's, very, there may have been a variation. Let's on that do too, that tomorrow that, because that the second uh, we're, we're the second worst defensive team in the league. And all our opponents are tied. Because I kind of like this, you know. Let us don't play Thursday, so let let's. I, I like your way, so I'm going to do a little homework tomorrow. We'll come back and, and let's do a. But they a, have to be teams. a first team, they a second team, teams. and a third team for us. And let let's look at yeah. the the starting you five. Can't put each three of centers, right? I like that. Okay, well let's do that tomorrow. That'll be fun. Keep that in yeah. mind, we'll uh, listeners too. You know, go ahead and, and start assembling that. We're giving you homework. Assemble that over overnight. Two teams. Well, we can go two or three. Two or three. three. Let's do three. Let's do three. Let's do three. So there's your homework, and get ready for. Them then tomorrow. we get Oscar. And we Weston will there do that. Uh, but we want to take a look real quick. I'm going to switch over to college football. College football now unanimously proved its new model yep. for the 12 team playoff. Is it going to make things better, or is everyone just going to complain about the 13th team that somehow got snubbed? We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Starting next year, obviously, a major change in college football. We talk about all the, the, uh, the program movement after the implosion of the Pac-12. All of the teams moving to different conferences, Colorado to the Big 12. Oregon State, Washington State, two leftovers will schedule with the Mountain West for next year. But because of the Pac-12's implosion, it took a while to get all this voted and through. But now the decision was made this morning. The 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame, because they still have their uh, outsized footprint there, all had to unanimously agree. And they did. So starting uh, Im- immediately, you know, next fall, we're talking about a 12-team playoff. The setup will be what they call a 5 plus 7. The five teams that they're referring to will have to be conference champions, right. which solves, I think, a lot of the problems we've seen later. So none of the two SEC teams in the top five, that that's not going to be the way it works. Conference champions. Now that there are no longer power five, it's really power four, it almost works better because the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, and the Big 10, their champs will be in the four. And then whatever conference kind of bubbles up, their champion can take that fifth, and then you have seven at largest, which is plenty for yeah, well, a second I mean, SEC. It's plenty of that. I mean, if you were to take the top 12 at this, at the way it finished this year, you would have Michigan as the Big 12. Uh, Washington would, in theory, not have made it. We'll, see, we'll get to that. They probably would have made it at their rank because, in theory, they would have been like the Mountain West champion, right? Coming into next year, so they could make it. Texas as... Uh, the Big 12 in their final year, Georgia as the SEC. Bama was fifth. They'd have to be bumped down. Right. Florida State finished sixth. They'd be the ACC. They'd make it. But but even as it stands right now, the way it finished, the only thing that would change is Alabama, instead of a five seed, would be a six, and Florida State would hop over that. And everything else would have remained exactly the same. So the top four teams, which will likely be of the power four, barring something unusual, will get a bye. Five will play 12, just like you get with your March Madness, you know, a six against an 11, a seven, 10, and an eight, and nine. Those winners will then go on to face the top four. It has taken a long time for college football to get to a point where they actually have a system that makes sense, but I think they actually got one, Sandy. And some of it they lucked into because the Pac-12 wiped itself off the map, but I think that's even better because when you have the complaints every year of some of these teams that come out of nowhere, now if they win a conference, they get one of those spots instead of just automatically handing it to a second SEC team. Right. And and the top four get the buys, and it's 5-12, 6-11, And I think nine. in that first week, we're going to occasionally see some upsets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think Florida State this year would have been Florida, It would have been Florida State versus at least a 12 would have been LSU. Yeah, LSU would have won. I think with so, Dan- too. With Daniels, a quarterback, I think it's... <laughs> No doubt, and so I think you would no see doubt. some interesting, interesting matchups yeah. there. And I, 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 I like, agree. I like the. Setup. I agree. The, the, the timing is is nice. I, I, I think the timing is actually pretty close to being perfect. Yeah, it's pretty and, fortunate. Yeah, they lucked into it, uh, and and there will, there will be complaints, and that was my argument for for years about you know you go to a fourteen playoff and the fifth ranked team is going to complain like Florida State did this year and. Uh, I suppose you'll get the 13th ranked team saying they should have been one of the at-large uh, schools, but um, I I don't think there'll be a lot of credence given to that because, frankly, uh, 
if you're not a top 10 team, I don't think you have a beef. Now, right. You're talking playoff, just as you, you're, you're not really as constituted at the end of the year a top five team. And Florida State, as constituted at the end of the year, was not a top five team. They weren't a top 10 team. I'm not sure they were a top 20 team at the end of the year. Um, you don't deserve to be in a playoff of any size, really. And I, I think 12 is right. I, I, I wouldn't want to add to that. I think 12 for football, it, it, that's enough games. That's enough. That's enough games. The interesting Otherwise, part of this, you, you get so many schools playing too many games. Because we talked about why you have to, well, this had to be unanimously voted on. It was, including Notre Dame. Well, that right. makes things interesting, right? Now, we're talking about the five, you know, five conference champs who get it, but not necessarily. It only means the four conference champs have to be a top four. The five doesn't the have five to be a conference The five doesn't have to be a conference champ. But oddly, that means that in theory, Notre Dame can only ever be as high as five. Right. In Unless theory. they want to join a conference. Right. And that's Which actually, they may. And that's the Which setup. They, may and force Notre Dame to voted to approve the, this. Yes. So no, that no. tells me that yep. maybe okay with that's in the yeah, offing okay sometime soon. They're okay with or it. Or they're okay just by being fine. We could get the five seed and a bye. Yeah. We don't care. Good enough. But I think that part is really, really intriguing because for most of college football history, at least in the last century, Notre Dame has often bent the football world to its will. And to an extent, it still does. But I think this is... To a lesser extent. Yes. But I think this is the first time we've seen, in this case, Notre Dame basically look at the, the changing landscape and say... Okay, as it stands right now, the best we can get is the five seed, but you know what? We're okay with that for various reasons. That, yeah, that to so. me, is interesting because I think that this movement into these four sort of super conferences probably isn't done entirely. I can still see a scenario in which a couple of these get bigger or there are some defections or who knows what. Well, listen, I, I think down the road... Knows Anyone they'd want to join will say, of course. I think eventually there'll be an Eastern, Midwestern, Southeast, and West Coast set of 16 teams, numbering 64 in all, and we'll have our 12-team playoff. And it can be back to being regional rivalries. Regional, you, better you have, for travel, you better have, for all well, of that. You have four, uh, and 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 with a five plus seven, you stay with that. Sure. And the fifth team is the best of the rest. Outside of the four conference champions, you'd have a fifth team, the best of the rest, but the fifth team would have to play the twelfth team. Right. The other part of this, of course, is great. Is it, it adds another round of playoffs. And Notre Dame means, would be in. Yeah. Would assume the Midwest. Right. right? But the beauty of it is college football gets really exciting, and then in the first weekend of December it ends, and then unless you're really into the bulls that I have no idea what they're going to be named from year to year, it kind of dies off until New Year's. Right. Now it doesn't have to because these quarters are going to take place in late December. So now the, the wait in between the conference championships and those quarterfinal games, which are going to be big games, like we were talking about, that five versus twelve would be a, you know, Florida State, LSU game. That would I, those those are good games. You would have had Ohio State, Oregon, 
I mean, you, in late great. December, you're going to watch yeah. that. So yeah. th- this, to me, seems like an absolute win. And locally, of course, as Colorado continues to build, more at-larges is better. Now, Colorado didn't even make a bowl, so Deion Sanders' proclamations notwithstanding, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But the setup does make it easier for a local team, whether it's the Buffaloes or the Rams or the Air Force Falcons who have found themselves in that neighborhood from time to time to bubble up and actually get a crack at it. So th- this is just not only a win for college football, but it's especially, I think, a win locally. We're a ways away from getting those programs back to the, the kind of status where they can do it. But it's on track. So good sign there all the way around for college football, college basketball. Well, we know the tournament's big enough already. The latest bracketology came out today. And, of course, you know, you want college basketball in this town. You talk to Sandy Clough. He's got all the latest. He'll tell you what it all means. And I will probably just nod approvingly next on My Life Sports. <laughs> 